This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We're estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven people who are killing it in life. They deserve to be celebrated, and on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and in between our interview episodes, we'll have Beauty School, where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars, and we'll be chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s, and learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different. Also, we're a lot of fun and we have a super multicultural community and we kind of think that you might too. So why not talk about all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof? Plus, we'll be answering listener questions, so be sure to write us at truebeautybrokenpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, let's jump into the show. Oh, hey guys. Hey. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. Welcome. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2022. Ooh, 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 ooh. Not one of my nice. better songs. Not one of my better songs. You guys, I hope that you had a decent New Year's. I hope you had a. I great... hope you had a decent. New I mean, Year's. that's where we're at. Shit is awful right now. It's not a happy one, like a decent one. Decent. Look, if you smiled on your New Year's, <laughs> you won. If you didn't cry, if you didn't cry, <laughs> that's a winning New Year's. I have to say. I mean, it's been wild. We are right here in Am- Amari Am- Omicron. I keep saying Amarion. I just keep saying Amarion, and everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm like, yeah, the internet's hilarious. But in reality, I have no idea what it's called. Omicron. Yeah. Omicron's trash. Ruined my Christmas. Couldn't go see my family. Mine too. Ruined yours too. Ruined most of New York's, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. The city seemed pretty empty. No, the city seemed tired. Bitches, I mean, people were like, Trying to escape. I can't. You keep pulling me back. Because everybody's sick. <laughs> I Everybody was asleep is sick. before midnight. I was just like, shit's the same. Whether yeah. I stay awake or I go to bed well, when I want. So well, I can feel rested tomorrow. 100%. Yeah, because the next day we spent painting and priming. Yes. I spent the 31st cleaning the new mm-hmm. space. I don't like to clean. Y'all don't know this about me, yeah, but a bitch doesn't. don't like to clean. It's not a good activity for no. us. <laughs> no. But I did it for us. Because God damn it, I But if to she get does done. have to clean something, she'll use like half the roll of paper towels to, <laughs> to clean it. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. I don't know why I find bunches of like paper towels all around my workstation. At all, like, always. Me too. I literally picked one up yeah. before and I was like, where? Oh, Elizabeth must what? be here. <laughs> What's happening? 
It's true. As Kevin says, I'm a glutton. I'm a glutton for everything. Paper towels, butterfingers, tequila, weed. Check. It's all checks out. Water. <laughs> I, like, I like me some water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, guys, so that's what I'm saying. I hope that your New Year's was decent. Decent. Hope everybody's healthy. Welcome back. We missed you. We're so happy to be here with y'all. Okay, so before we jump into today's episode, I guess we should just like talk about what's been going on, what we're planning for this year. Alex and I, you know, we just finished up the Body Chronicles and we were kind of like, so what's next? Because as as much as we love talking about skincare, there's so much more to beauty, obviously. (laughs) If you've been listening to the show for a little (laughs) bit, clearly we just talk about fucking goddamn everything. (laughs) And so we were thinking, like, you know, what's the next theme that we can kind of take into the first quarter of 2022? And we thought that we would tackle something that is front and center in both of our lives, for sure. I think the general cultural zeitgeist is opening up to uh, the idea of this topic. And what we're talking about is mental health. We're going to be spending the next couple of weeks talking to different mental health experts. We're talking about the mind. We're talking about all of the ways that the mind affects us, especially as women. Mm -hmm. I think that this has been something that I've been seeing a lot of people sort of, I mean, maybe it's just because of the algorithm from my specific Instagram, but I've just been seeing a lot of people really, you know, speaking about mental health, but specifically women, women of color, talking about how they weren't diagnosed with specific mental health conditions like ADHD or depression or anxiety until much later in life because the signs for women and the cultures within different cultures, or I guess the way that we deal with this within different cultures is so different and so nuanced and so we just want to talk about the subject because it's something that affects both of our lives if I could speak so frankly for you Shapiro sure. <laughs> I mean I think it affects everybody's life but I you know this is my home girl I know we, we speak obviously every day all day this is that's my white my other white husband <laughs> the only other person who knows everything about me and so we've been speaking a lot about mental health and how it affects us and how it affects the women in our lives and getting older and seeing hormonal shifts and how, you know, that can change parts of your mind and not, and just, we've just been talking about it with each other and with our clients. And if we talk about it with each other and with our clients, we got to talk about it with you guys. Yes. And what better time than the dead of fucking winter in New York city when it is, and I'm not someone, I wouldn't describe myself as someone who deals with depression. However, it's hard. It's harder when here. dead of winter rolls around here, Gray I'm shit. like, oh, this is what it is. That's what it's like. Cold as shit. Ain't no sun. Ain't no vitamin D. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> I'm laughing, but it's not funny. No, the days are so short. It's like you wake up, it's dark. You Before you even leave the office or like wherever you work from, it's dark. Everybody's working from home. Before you get up from your desk to go to your kitchen, it's dark. It's just like, it's a hard time of year. It's a really, mm-hmm. really hard time of year. And as we get older, it's getting, speaking personally, it's getting more difficult to deal with. Yeah. And, you know, we, I don't know, we picked up some tips and tricks along the way. And I, I've said this before, but I think that's one of the great things about life and about getting older is working towards becoming the best you that we can be, that you can be, and living in an age where we have autonomy enough to care about being, like, to have the time to think about, to have the cognition to think about 
how can I be the best me? What does that look like? How do I want my life to look like? How do I want the people in my life and that are surrounding me to feel? And how can I, what can I do to make people feel that way, to make myself feel that way? All these thoughts, all these fucking thoughts that we know, ain't no bitch before in history have time to think all these thoughts because they're too busy having kids or being oppressed or all of these things. And we're a generation that like, we've got the time, thank God to think all these thoughts. And so why not do it together? Why not explore these different feelings together? Hmm. As a pod. That's sweet. Right? Yeah. We talk about it all the time, Alex. We, we really do. All day, all night. Our I park. know shit's getting weird when, like, I usually am ex- not excited, but I'm, like, I look forward to waking up to work out or do yoga. And the past couple weeks, I'm, like, this is a struggle. The bed feels nicer and nicer every yeah. morning, right? You're just like, mm. This morning, actually, when I held my cat and I was like, it would be so nice. I won't do my full cat voice. <laughs> do it. Do it. It would be so nice if I could stay home all day and be a stay-at-home cat mom. What do you think? And I, I asked my husband what he thought. And he was like, well, you wouldn't do anything ever because, like, you're very distracted by him. Like, whenever you're home with him. Cat. Yeah, he's pretty self And I was like, yeah, that's the point. I wouldn't do anything but hang out with him. I love it. I love it. Stay-at-home cat mom. Yeah. He's like, I got it. I got him, mom. Cleaning myself, looking. He actually moved away from me on the bed. He went to the other side. He's like, he's, he's like, like this is just too much. Like, you need to figure out your shit. Get a hobby. <laughs> it ain't he's me. like, I use you for food. You haven't figured that out yet? <laughs> food and pets, that's it. We're, that's our relationship. That's the extent of our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's hard. It's hard. And I think that the, the lies that life is easy and the lies that we're all happy all the time and the lies that you don't need anybody and you should be self-sufficient and we shouldn't talk about these. And, and also that you don't change and that there aren't neurological factors that are happening because we're changing in life. Our hormones are changing. There are biological factors that are happening mm-hmm. specifically to women because, well, Ain't nobody care about us. <laughs> ain't, ain't nobody cares to look into women all this time. So these are all things that we've been knowing have been going on. But men are like, shit. Mm-hmm. Wait, having a child hurts? You guys have fucking hormonal changes? The fuck is a hormone? Dumbasses. <laughs> maybe we should look into this. No, men didn't say maybe we should look into this. Bitches got degrees and they said, move over. We're going to look into this because y'all, it's been 300 no, years. No, maybe men did look into it. They were like, she's being mean. Exactly. No. I should find out why. Men were like, how do we just keep these bitches dumb as shit so we can stay in charge and keep the race going? Let's not mm. tell them anything. Mm-mm. Let's keep them uneducated. Let's gaslight them into thinking it's all their fault, anything. And things will be fine. And it works for a while. Yeah. Before Shapiro and Taylor showed up. It's all us. It's all on us. (laughs) With the help of Dr. Dan. (laughs) Okay. That's a very good point. I'm glad that you brought that up. Because one of the reasons that I'm so excited for our guest today, our guest is Dr. Dan, which I love because one is this is only our second hetero male guest Mm -hmm. that we've ever had on the podcast. Cis hetero male. And so, if you, there's a man's voice coming through this your your earphones that from means our we like podcast, him. you know he's a good dude. You know he is the best of the best. You know he out there for us. He out there trying to, you know, go against the patriarchy. He's fucking a traitor to his own kind. <laughs> the way that we like him, I'm sure that's just how he describes himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
but Dr. Dan is our um, brother on the Exactly Right Network. He has an incredible podcast called The Parent Footprint. And although Alex and I are proudly child-free, we'll scream it from the rooftops for as long as possible, I honestly love his show. I think that he has an incredible show. He is so insightful and so um, empathetic and so curious and so... Mm -hmm. um, it's very soothing. Very soothing mm -hmm. and very smart and just very obviously cares about people, cares about the human experience. And it's just, he's one of us. Just like I say about so yeah. many of our guests, he's fucking one of us. It's just usually he, you hear a she's <laughs> instead of a, a he's. <laughs> they are one of us. Yes. And I loved talking to him. I loved just, I mean... Y'all know me. Y'all know that I think that I know shit, even though a bitch don't know shit. So I love speaking to actual professionals who do know shit so that I can be educated, so I can learn more, so that I can me too. either get rid of ideas that no longer serve me, gain new ideas that I'm looking mm -hmm. for, new answers, I should say. And I think Dr. Dan did all of those things for us. I truly learned so much from this conversation. Me too. I learned a ton. Mm -hmm. And I hope that you all do too. I think I know you will. will too. Yeah, for sure. I know that this was a very vague opening um, statement. We didn't really say anything about what the conversation that we had with Dr. Dan we was about. We covered different topics. We covered think, so many. Exactly. We, but it all comes yeah. back to, to your brain and taking yes. care of Taking care your of your mind. brain. Yes, yes. Taking care of your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, that's it. Just taking care of your mind and just being aware and, and remembering that things are not your fault, like these things that go on in our minds. Yes. You know? Yes. And if you feel a certain way, there's, there's, I mean, I think that that's the beautiful thing about the age that we're living in is that, I mean, we're going to talk about this, but I spent the majority of my life just thinking about, you know, having like baby anxiety, as I used to think, say, and not realizing that it's, it's weird to think about all the different ways that your parents could be killed. It's, it's a strange thing for a child to stay up all night thinking. Yeah. And that in realizing that, it says it explains a lot about the way that in which I move through the world today. But I think just the, speaking about these things and putting a name to these things and feeling less alone about these things and realizing that your mind is... The biggest muscle, your mind is all that we have, period. It's true. Without your brain, bitch, what you got? Not Without your brain, you can't move. Literally, you're dead. You're dead. You, your brain, it, it controls everything. And so we need to begin looking at, respecting, speaking about, being open with, being empathetic to neurodiversity, the different ways in which our minds work, the different ways in which we as humans experience this life. And I think it's a beautiful fucking thing that we're not all the same. Thank God for it. I mean, but we're a bunch of weirdos who moves to the city, to a city that embraces strangeness and embraces diversity in all different ways. So, of course, we would it say such true. a thing. It is true. But for you out there who might not hear this every day or see this every day or be privy to people who look differently or think differently or have different modes of being, this is for you guys. This is for all of us. But this is for you guys that are out there that, that really need community needs to yeah. hear that it's okay that you're not alone that we all fucking weird and different and it's great uh without further ado here's our conversation with, with one dr of dan. our favorites Ooh. dr dan i thought we'd say it at the same time okay, we'll say work. let's do it again <laughs> okay dr dan 
Nope. One more time. One, two, Dr. Dan. <laughs> Enjoy, guys. Enjoy. My name is Dan Peters. I am a licensed psychologist and executive director of Summit Center, which is a center in California. And I also am a husband and a father of three, all which uh, I say everything completes my life. Everything, everything goes together. And I've learned just so much in life through my own relationships, through my kids, um, as I have grown and hopefully become wiser that I've learned that everything goes together. Uh, in terms of the work that I do and the work that we do at the center, we strongly believe in a strength-based approach to people, to humans, and really don't subscribe to the idea of pathology and like what the what's wrong with you approach. Like, let's tell you what's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Let's help you understand yourself better so you can realize your full potential. Mm -hmm. um, and along the way, understand if there are, you know, there's weaknesses and there are diagnoses and there serves purposes for all those. But my goal and our goal is really to help people just maximize who they are and get the most out of their lives. Yeah. That's really nice. I love that. Me too. It's funny. I never, like happiness is something that's, uh, I don't know. We all crave it, right? But it's not something that I really ever thought everybody did. I don't know. I didn't think of it as a deserved thing. Maybe I should say it that way. And I remember talking to my psychologist one, psychiatrist, and saying, um, you know, just talking about, like, the medications that I was on. And, you know, sometimes I'll just, like, stop taking it just to see what happens and X, Y, and Z. And she said, Elizabeth, don't you want to be happy? And I was like, well, yeah. And she's like, and don't you feel happy when you take your medication the way you should? <laughs> I said, well, yeah. And she said, and don't you think that you deserve happiness? And I was like, oh, girl, wow. That's a question I never thought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do I yeah. deserve happiness? Yeah. And yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. And so I just never had thought about it before. But I love, I love what you just said about, um, yeah, just everybody's reaching their, their full potential for happiness. It's a beautiful thing. And it's something that you really have to be active about. You can't really be passive, I don't think. No, no. And as um, here we are talking to each other through the podcast, um, acknowledging that um, we are members of the same exactly right family. Yeah. And so part of, right. So part of that, um, part of that, that mission that, that I feel that, that, um, that calling is to help um, help all people be that best version of themselves so they can impact, raise, contribute to the lives of the next generation. And that's where the Parent Footprint podcast comes in to um, an extension of the work that's done in the center to try to reach as many people as possible um, to jump on board with being this best version of themselves. And uh, as we say on the show, like the goal is to, um, to create a more loving and compassionate place, one person, one child, and one parent at a time. And um, I don't know, that's what I feel all in about these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really special. I feel like um, we're, we have new generations now who acknowledge that actually the shit they went through as a kid was not okay mm -hmm. <laughs> and they don't want to continue that and that that mm -hmm. isn't like you know quote unquote normal and 
I think it's huge for I think a lot of I think it seems like a lot of people want to kind of change the course of like how they parent their kids or just how they live their life as adults, whether they have kids or not. And just like acknowledging stuff, whereas I think for like my parents are baby boomers and I feel like for their generation, they, they'll acknowledge if their upbringing was fucked up, but it's more of like a joke instead of mm-hmm. being like, wow, mm-hmm. that's also why I'm fucked up right. or why I have certain yeah. issues. <laughs> and I just think we're in a really cool place right now where people just really they want to, people are realizing they deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, y- you know, this whole happiness and joy gets talked about a lot Mm -hmm. these days like what's the difference and and happiness is we use it all the time and I totally agree with you and a lot of people say like happiness is sort of a trap it's like this fleeting thing that you grab onto and then you have it and then you keep trying to seek it like it's this it's like this fleeting feeling and a transition has been to talk more and more about joy with the idea that like experiencing joy is more of this like fulfillment, appreciation, gratitude, which I think completely overlaps with happiness. But I feel like happiness gets is elusive. And then when we don't feel it, it almost is like a double whammy of like, I'm not happy and I'm supposed to be happy, right? Like this expectation, like, do you feel any pressure, especially when you're looking at social media that you're supposed to be happier? Absolutely. I also just feel pressure as like um, a white lady living in a really cool city and in general have everything I need that if I'm Mm -hmm. not for me, it's more like if I don't feel happy, I'm like, for what, bitch? Like you have plenty of great things. Yeah. Obviously, it goes deeper than that. But like, yeah, yeah, I think it's like very, I don't know, lots of layers. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I always considered myself a very happy person. I'm very personable. I love to talk. And this idea of... So I heard Conan O'Brien on a podcast recently, and he was talking about being anxious and being de- depressed and going on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And he said, Do you know, I didn't realize that I was depressed because all of the, I, my idea of depression was like people laying in bed, not being able to go out, like being so sad. And he was like, I'm a happy person. Like I make people laugh for a living. I go out. And I was like, yeah, man, me too. So I was shocked recently to find out that I was depressed. I was like, oh, Oh, you're right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because I've just been going through, you know, I spoke with the listeners about this recently, but I've been going through a lot with my in-laws, you know, and I just kind of, I'm the type of person I just like go through, go through. And because I'm so, um, such a positive person, like I didn't realize how down I was. I just thought like, oh, there's just something, like I'm just being too sensitive. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm just being too sensitive and and that's why I'm like crying. crying all the time because I'm kind of a crier, you know? So it's funny, this idea like happiness, I think it's like you can have, to me, happiness, it's like you have moments of happiness. You know what I mean? Even though, maybe I'm understanding what you're saying now is like you have moments of joy, but like happiness is sort of maybe always sort of around, you know, Mm -hmm. in the the zeitgeist. But joy is kind of more like these big moments of like accomplishment. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we always get mixed up on the, or we could over-focus on the words. It's yeah. kind of like, what are, what are we trying? What is this? What are we trying to achieve? Like, what are we yeah. going after? What do we want? Like, what is that feeling? And I think we subscribe all these meanings to these different words when it's really about what you guys are both talking about, whether it's the parenting thing or this awareness of 
not being depressed. It's like awareness is key. And I think that is what we're growing as a culture mm. is this, this awareness of how am I, how do I feel? Hopefully like, where did I come from? What did I like about it? Mm-hmm. What don't I like about it? You know, yeah. like being more conscious Yeah, and with being more conscious, it can be more painful, right? Because if we keep our nose down and just keep persevering, that is a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. If we stop and take some inventory, it can be painful, but it also is the opportunity to pivot and to make some choices mm-hmm. and to, um, it sets up more possibilities. Yeah, totally. For sure. I agree. Well, even when you were feeling sad, what was it last week or the week before? And you're like, oh, I got my period. That's probably part of it. And yeah. I was like, yes, but also you're sad and that's okay. And you don't need to like think of a reason why. Right. You know, if yeah. you're feeling sad, you're feeling sad. Yeah. Yeah, you're I right. think it's hard. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's yeah. hard when you're a happy person it to like, admit when you're just sad. Yeah, it's true. Right. It's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like so simple, but I'm the same way. Oh, totally. And like if I, it's rare that I'm in like a quote unquote bad mood, but I think it's also because like the reasons I listed, I should be happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. What is there to really be sad about? And I don't want to take this on a whole social media thing, but I, I, yeah. I feel it's, it's, it, it needs to keep being talked about the impact of social media on our mental health. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the question I have, because I still remember life, barely remember life before all of this stuff, which is, was it, was it more okay to be sad or to just not be okay and not have everything going your way when it wasn't? flashed or you're expected to show it Mm -hmm. and you're seeing everyone else's life like is there more pressure now to not only be okay but to be happy and if you're sad you have to have a really good reason Mm. or it's weak or yes because I think of maybe like original social media like live journal or myspace it was actually cool to be like kind of (laughs) sad You know, like to be like super emo. It was the, well, they're like, very emo. Say emo. They're very, emo was yes. cool. But also, I was a teenager in the yeah. early 2000s, and that was just like a thing, at least yeah. on Long Island. <laughs> no, you're right. It was very about everybody who was sharing their feelings. But what well, was live yeah. journals? But you weren't journals. so much bragging about yes. your life like people are now. It's totally. definitely different. Yeah, yeah for sure. I shouldn't yeah. be laughing, but it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, you're so right. You're 100%. And also, we see so much more now, and good and bad. Yeah. So I just think like there's just such an yeah. overwhelming amount of information that's constantly coming at you and imagery that's constantly coming at you so you see like the most beautiful and also like the worst in the world it's really Mm -hmm. it's fucking weird it's it's weird it's really weird yeah i've I've, you're right i feel very bad for uh i don't know i think it's because we live in new york like i had this Mm -hmm. moment a couple years ago pre-pandemic if you can remember and i remember i was sitting here and i was in between clients and i was looking at social media and i saw people that were like at mccarran park and i had this realization of like girl you're sitting here scrolling on the screen watching people live life 20 minutes like not even 20 minutes 10 minutes up the road from you you could just go and live that life you don't have to like (laughs) double tap it and i've had this like very much sort of awareness of that since then kind of like to what you were saying of like you live in new york city in Brooklyn there's cool shit going on all out here all out here take a look around like get off the phone but then also realizing being kind of within a design space you realize how much it takes to create content like content creation is an entire job and there's an entire 
set system. It used to not be, but these days people have professional makeup, professional cameras, professional lighting, you know, and it takes as we're all three content creators. (laughs) So we know what it takes to create content and y'all can't even see us. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, you know, it's magic. It's magic. Yeah, totally. So it is, but I definitely agree that social media is wild and plays a crazy role in I don't know, just being competitive, feeling bad about yourself, feeling like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, feeling, I don't know. I feel like it's the real world where it's like this completely other world in so many different ways. Like how many like like online celebrities are are there that – so many of us have no idea who the fuck they are. And it's like, you, who? I know, like, this million? person has four million exactly. followers and I have no idea who they are, but they're making money and yes. they're like, and in their world, they're very famous and whoever looks at them, they're very famous. And yeah, it's weird. Yeah. 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 It's, a, yeah. it's, it's strange. It's a strange, it's strange to have the awareness, but I feel very, very, um, not bad for, but I empathize with people who don't, who aren't aware, which is most people, Yeah, which is yeah. probably most people. Yeah. Well, and as you get older, Right. Like as we get older, we hopefully become with our with age and life experience is the thought that we that we get wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it's with that wisdom, you start to look back, you start to look within. And, you know, I was just talking recently with someone actually with a client this morning about the, the notion that once we have an awareness, like you can't look back. Like I mean, you can't never you can't un. You can't be unaware of that new awareness, yes. and then you're like, "Oh my, like, oh my God!" For the la- I, I didn't even think about that for the last 15 years. Like, how did I not even think about that? And it's just, I think, part of our growth and maturity that we start to think about these things more, and um, which then leads us to have to make some decisions, maybe, or deal with uncomfortable emotions, or mm-hmm. set some boundaries in our life. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I can, I can do this differently. I don't have to just feel like this, or I don't have to keep doing this if I don't want to. Yeah. Awareness is incredible. Yeah. Being an adult is wacky. <laughs> my, my, my husband just turned 39 and he's like, oh mm-hmm. God, he's like, I'm basically 40. Like, I don't want to be an adult. I miss being a kid. Um, just like <laughs> kind of having a rough time with it. And I was like, yeah, but then there's like all these great things we can do. But it's hard because like as a kid, even if you maybe didn't have like the best childhood, you still didn't have the brain of an adult. So even if you knew that things weren't good, you didn't really know maybe how fucked up things were or just about like all the fucked up things in the world. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's weird. So yeah, awareness and getting older is like, whoa. It is. Well, well, the flip of that is I was, you know, a client came in the other day. um, I won't say her name. And she's like, how's everything? And I was like, everything's okay. You know, life's a little crazy for me right now. But like, you know, what are you going to do? And she's like, girl, I hear that. And I was like, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking. She's mentioned something about, I think, because she works with kids or something. And I was saying, you know, I recently was with um, a friend's kids. And this friend is very wealthy. And they're like living like the quote-unquote dream. Do you know what I mean? Mom stays home Mm -hmm. with the kids. You know, they live in this big, beautiful house. Kids get filet mignon every night. Everybody gets a lot. It was just like very idyllic, you know? And And I was like, I've just been thinking about this family lately. Like, dang, man, 
I, I don't miss being a kid, but I wouldn't mind being one of that, their kids. And she goes, well, girl, wait till they leave the house. They are in for a rude awakening. And I was like, bitch, you are so right. You are so right. They're not getting filet mignon every night. It's gonna have, they're going to come to the realization soon enough. So fair enough. Because just, Cup of noodles. Cup of noodles is coming. Ramen. Yeah. So the point is just living. Yeah. I think just being a human is difficult. Yeah. And just, uh, yeah, once I always say it, being woke is exhausting. <laughs> It's true. It's fucking it exhausting. It is. <laughs> it like that it is. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. I think like I was just saying like being human is a it feels like a privilege and it is not easy. No. No. Mm-mm. It's Mm-mm. really not. Be- I mean, god, I feel like I've been an adult for a while now, but it's still I'm still like learning new things. Like yeah. things that I'm supposed to do as an adult. It's crazy. Well, that's the beauty of it, I think. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just constantly. And this is what I'm excited to speak with you about today, Dr. Dan. It's just, mm. you know, we're constantly growing and changing and our bodies are constantly growing and changing. And we don't as a society. Well, one is the mental health system in this country is so. I'd say it almost brings me to tears now that I'm like within it and seeing how awful it is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And seeing how yeah. how little resources there are. And as we were saying before, getting older and, you know, Alex and I, like, we we love, we're a little weird. We're a little kooky. Do you know what I mean? And so we like, like, people who are a little kooky. And this year especially, we've kind of just become aware of, like, if you get to a certain age, it's not, it's not kooky. People have mental health issues and kind of, like, mm-hmm. the diff- like realizing that difference and sort of realizing that there is so much more, so many more people than I think we we knew or like talk about have mental health issues in this world, and it's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm one of them, but um, we need to talk about it, and we need to, totally. as you said, acknowledge totally. it. And and mm-hmm. especially as women, so many things uh, about specifically so hormonal changes, hormonal changes, but especially you know uh, neurodivergent. Things yes, such as anxiety, yes, ADD, yeah. OCD, these things aren't really studied in girls, or we don't, or they, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They present differently in girls than they do boys. They often do. And right. so often girls go undiagnosed. So I'd love to speak with you a yeah. little bit about that and about, okay. I think that, um, a lot of women my age, I'm realizing, myself included, are being diagnosed later in life mm-hmm. at 30, 35. And then exactly what you were saying before, now that we're aware, we can start making changes and start acknowledging. And personally speaking, my life has just gone like this since realizing these things about myself, getting the help that I need, getting the medication that yeah, I need. That's great. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk to you kind of about... Um, your experience, I guess, in tr- in maybe seeing seeing girls and women, I guess, maybe be mm-hmm. diagnosed later in life, or I don't know, whatever you yeah, want to talk, yeah, whatever sure. you want to talk about on that topic. Um, you're <laughs> making me think of a lot of things. So first, I'm gonna I want to hit the this comment about diagnosis because I mentioned that at the beginning. Um, it's sort of an ambivalent, ambivalent way because diagnoses have the ability to be very, uh, labels have the ability to be very harmful and pathologizing and mm. make you feel small and less than. Mm. And they have the opportunity to describe and give meaning 
um, in addition to coming up with, uh, you know, a, a health plan or a treatment plan. And so when someone says, for example, hey, you know what, what you're telling me, um, trouble feeling joy when you, in, in, in ways that you used to feel joy, having a lack of energy, having trouble concentrating, even actually not being excited to be alive or sometimes just kind of wishing you know god you know i wouldn't it would be okay if actually like i just got in a car crash right now um or you know those things and not sleeping well and maybe um eating less or eating more than you did like that's actually depression like you're actually experiencing a clinical depression and this isn't you this is your neurochemistry um responding this is you responding to changes in your neurochemistry that are causing all these things. Mm. Wow. Like that's, that's huge. Same thing. Um, same thing with trauma, talking to someone about what trauma symptoms or in extreme cases, post-traumatic stress disorder looks like, Oh, the, the trouble sleeping, the re-experiencing, the always feeling like you're on edge, um, not feeling like you can trust yourself or trust other people feeling bad. Okay. Mm. Well, those are symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Or I'm just going to keep going for a second. Um, how many teenagers, um, female and male teenagers, have come in this office and say, hey, can you please tell me that I have ADHD? Because if I don't, there's something really wrong with me. And what they mean is like, I'm trying to concentrate and I can't, I'm trying not to be distracted and I can't, I'm trying to stay organized and I can't, and it's been going on forever and no one believes me that it's not that I'm just not trying hard. And then if you can go through a really healthy process of understanding and taking inventory, informal and formal inventories and be like, you know what, this actually fits. You see like a... Oh, well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And similarly, to take it a step further, because I'm, I'm like, like combining all these great questions that you guys asked, um, AD, female ADHD and female autism are, are, have been getting more and more attention because they look different and they don't get diagnosed as early generally as they do in boys. And so to have these young adults come into my office, especially when I'm thinking of a female, saying, I think I'm on the spectrum and um, I am really needing to know. And then you go through her life history and all the anxiety and everyone's focused on the anxiety and the depression. And she's talking about how she doesn't understand these things and how she didn't fit and she couldn't relate to other. I mean, I'm, I'm glossing over complexity, mm -hmm. but just just I remember this process with her and her mom who was supporting her. She was 17, turning 18. Her mom said she's like her mom said, like, we're here because she wants to know. And going through a long, slow process, not in for like, let's get a diagnosis, but let's understand you better. And then let's do some of these objective things and a lot of these um, non-objective things. And then coming to a conclusion like, you know what, you do, you're mild, but I have to say that you do fit the criteria and it does explain your life experiences. Mm -hmm. And again, this smile on her face, mm -hmm. like I knew it. And then she's like, now we can come up with a plan how I can understand this and live with this and reduce my anxiety. So I feel like it is so important to understand the neurodiversity as you talk about and neurodiversity being there are different brains designed to do different things. Like we're all wired differently mm -hmm. and we're getting away from the idea of normal where the idea of maybe more neurotypical, but neurodivergent means like this is a legitimate way of being and feeling differently and it doesn't make you less than or worse. We need you. We just need to both understand you so you can understand yourself and you can have the life that you want with this new understanding. Mm -hmm. 
All right, I just said yeah. a lot of stuff right there. I, I just know, I'm like, like reflecting yeah, yeah. back on it. Yeah. Well, I do want to ask, why do you think that a lot of times women are diagnosed later on? Is it just that parents are not as active in bringing them to a mental health professional when they're younger? Or does it just because it presents itself different, it doesn't seem yeah. like important or something? Um, so I'm going to make generalizations here. So I'm just, that's the caveat. These are generalizations. Um, but I'll say what I've seen over my decades of doing this work and my colleagues' decades of doing this work is boys are generally much better at getting negative attention than girls as a whole. So when you think about the stereotypical ADHD boy in the classroom, for example, bouncing off of the walls, blurting out, being impulsive, maybe pushing and shoving, like you can't miss that. Mm -hmm. The girls who I would see back then, I'm talking in the like 90s, early, the mid 90s, um, when ADHD was, you know, really, it still is really big, but it was, you know, really reaching its four. Um, the girls I'd see were the ones that actually had, they, they were acting more male in a sense. Like they were doing all of those things too. They were like, they were loud, they were pushing, they were getting in trouble all the time. And often the girls were just, they were better, they were quieter about it. Mm -hmm. Many of them were more into inattentive. Mm -hmm. Their impulsiveness was not as big or have as big of consequences. Mm -hmm. um, I think as a whole, um, a lot of the girls do better at flying under the radar. And so I just feel it's, it's not, it wasn't, it's a systemic in the sense that teachers didn't know what to do. Girls, I think, coped a little better in these cases. Now, this is to say there's a lot of males that got missed too, mm -hmm. but for the for similar reasons, it's just like pound for pound, boys have always been better at getting more in-your-face negative attention. Mm -hmm. Now, conversely, this is why a lot of um, boys and men are underdiagnosed with anxiety and depression. Mm. Right? Like boys get the more behavioral disorders and uh, girls and women got more of the emotional disorders of depression right. and anxiety. Ah, that's okay. so interesting. Yes, 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 I just kind of got the chills because that just seems yes, that seems typical. It's like <laughs> I like a man's walking around angry, but nobody's mm -hmm. asking like, "Why are you so angry?" They're just like, "Oh, that's like an angry guy," or he's just got like a lot of built-up frustration or something. Not that you were in World War II and <laughs> probably did yeah. heinous things and often saw awful things. Right. Well, as an extreme right. example. Yeah. No, it is. But I mean, so that yeah. is the, the PTSD response, which yeah. is so common for all of our veterans, mm -hmm. all too common. And then you have the, I guess, non-traumatic response of you just, you have a man who's um, miserable at work, being mistreated, um, has had earlier abuse mm -hmm. um, done to him is is unhappy in life and for men like boys especially in older generations but still to this day you know we talk about toxic masculinity it's like you're supposed to if you're upset it's okay to fight to scream to yell and destroy things but hey don't cry mm -mm. Mm. don't show your emotion right don't be weak um that that ain't cool yeah and and that creates behavior disruptions and anger problems without us looking at underlying um, depression or and oftentimes anxiety. Oh, wow. 
Wow. They want they want to make this about men. I'm just saying like this is like no, the US no, about no. women. No, yeah. no, no, no. But yeah. it's important. Look, we're all people. We're all yeah. <laughs> we're all people yeah. here. And oh my God. That's really interesting. That's uh-huh. really, really interesting. Well, because also I never, I mean, like we always talk about toxic masculinity is that like men aren't allowed to cry, but I never thought about the opposite, what they are allowed to do. And it is, you're, mm-hmm. you said it perfectly. They are allowed to fight, scream, yell, hit, hit each football, right? Like all these things, right. those are totally fine, but don't cry when you win the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> don't you yeah. dare shed a tear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. really like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, so interesting. I don't know. That's just, it's not that surprising. <laughs> this is like how our society kind of works, but it's just kind of mind blowing to think like how many people, especially like in our childhood, because I do feel like as a kid growing up in the 90s, that was when I first heard about Ritalin. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. when, mm-hmm. you know, and just thinking about how, yeah, there were, there was like a, kid maybe in my fourth grade class and I remember someone being like yeah he has ADD yeah and they're always the bad kids right yeah always the bad kid always the bad kid and so quote unquote mm -hmm. bad kid yeah right right, yeah yeah. and so it always became like to me synonymous with like oh you're like naughty and bad in class you must have ADD Mm -hmm. and clearly I wasn't the only one (laughs) who was thinking of it like that no that was the thing right like so oh so um, oh yeah, that class has their the four kids with ADHD. You know that's the tr- that's the trouble class. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, my kids are trying to hang out with you know the you know the kids are always getting trouble. Like all the kids with ADHD. Like that was very much the stereotype. And I think to a lot of you know, and with every stereotype, there's some bit of truth and reality in there that you, you take from. And I think that was that that has been. Um, the unfortunate persona or the bad public relations. And that's where, you know, just say you guys use the word neurodiversity. That is huge because there has been a huge movement in the last decade to talk about and a way like where people are different. People have different brain um, uh, makeups. They have different strengths. They have different challenges and they have different names for these things. So there is, there is a movement in how we're seeing these kids and these adults in a way that hopefully depathologizes it like it's still there for sure but that's where we're moving Mm -hmm. um to try to normalize all of this stuff and you know you hit on you know as women get older and hormones and um you know premenopausal and menopausal it's like us having an understanding about how our bodies work how our biology works Mm -hmm. so in, in my early training it was we a biopsychosocial approach which is what is our biological makeup? What is our psychological functioning and abilities? And then what is the impact of the social environment? Mm. And if we can continue to think about all of these, things make a lot more sense and it gives people a lot more um, understanding of themselves as opposed to this is all in you. Mm-hmm. Right. And empathy for other people, I think, as well. You know, especially, you know, we're a part of the... Uh... The true crime family here, even though we're two podcasts have nothing to do with true crime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes. With, within that is a deeper looking at exactly what you're saying. What causes people to, to, to do these crimes? What were their background? What did what happened in their life? What happened in their environment to create, uh, you know, what we see today? Not just, well, they're a monster. And sometimes there are just monsters. But even mm-hmm. that monster, there's something going on in their brain. Like they're human. You know, there's just some, right. something happened at one point. So, and, and, you know, also it's very interesting to me to see how 
there's so many like great artists. You know what I mean? Like it is not surprising to me in one bit that Kanye West and Mariah Carey both have um, have been diagnosed with. Uh, Bipolar, bipolar disorder. Yeah. yeah right. They're both geniuses. In my opinion, they're yeah. both incredible artists. And it's like your brain at that level, there's got there's something going on that's different from the rest of ours. And so if that's if that's sure. what it is, then fair enough. But yeah. mm-hmm. we just are all so different. I mean, not that he's a great guy, it turns out, but Zucks <laughs> Zucker, Mark Zuckerberg to me. I, am, I love that. The listeners know that I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I am, I am <laughs> Dr. Elizabeth Before I say this, Taylor. I'm what I call yeah, yeah. A, a mental health enthusiast. To me, yes. it's so obvious that guy's on the spectrum. It's so obvious to me. He's another fucking genius. His brain works very differently from the rest of ours, do you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. I think it's a great thing to say these things because it destigmatizes. It's like they're one of us. We are them. <laughs> yeah. You know, it isn't just yeah. this uh, the bad kid yeah. in school. Yeah, you actually just is. This is slightly tangential, but relates because you just reminded me of um, I'm a big Dalai Lama fan, and something the Dalai Lama says in one of his great books is. Um, when I think of myself as the only Dalai Lama in a world of eight million people. I get anxious and scared. When I think of myself as one of 8 million human beings, I feel comfort. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's very true. Yeah. It's like, in, yeah. How do yeah. we think about us as, as the whole? Yeah. As one of the whole. I heard you say that on uh, one of your podcast episodes recently, and it's something also that my therapist said to me recently, because I was just saying, you know, I, I just, Val, I just don't want to feel so much. It's just too much. I don't want to feel all of these emotions. And she said, so you don't want to be human? Because <laughs> we're all out here feeling emotions, girl. <laughs> I was mm, like, "Yeah, that does feel a little bit better. <laughs> that does make me feel yeah. a little bit more okay, more part of the, the whole. And it's nice. It is nice when you think. Do you know, I remember the day I looked at Alex and I was like, girl, you got ADD. <laughs> I was like, I'm watching you do the same shit that I do all the time. And yeah. she's like, what? And I'm like, yes. And I went down the list and she's like, oh my God, I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> I've yet to be formally diagnosed, but it makes a lot of things in my life make way more sense. And from yeah. my childhood, make way more sense. And mm-hmm. I had to explain to my husband recently, I'm like, when you feel like I'm not present, it's not because I don't care or I don't love you. I'm like, my brain just can only do one thing for so long (laughs) and like listen to you tell a story sometimes. I really, uh, before you know it, I'm up washing the dishes and it's not because (laughs) I don't care about what you're saying to me. Yeah. It's like, I can't, I can only do so much at once. That's why I'm a great esthetician though. Move from client to client to client. You guys are moving all day long, uh-huh. and it's always a little different, and everybody's a little different, and every right, like yeah, it's totally just keeps it going. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, things interesting. Just when I can't concentrate any longer, <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah. You're done. It's time to go. We're done. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So wait, Alex, I have to ask you this. You're you're bringing up an important point because this is back to the idea of understanding and how it can impact, have a positive impact on yourself and your relationship. So for example, if your husband has the notion that, oh, when you just like get up and do something, you're not necessarily just blowing me off and don't care about what I'm saying. This is the way your brain is wired and you sometimes just see something or you have to get up and move and you get distracted, but it's not personal. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. He gets it. Actually, we were watching some show. It was like one of Marie Kondo's shows about um, organizing. And she Mm -hmm. goes to this woman. This woman owns a coffee shop. And she so she helps her organize that and helps her organize her home, mostly like her home office. And the woman has been formally diagnosed with ADHD. And she's talking about it and why her home and her job, you know, not that they were a crazy mess, but things didn't fully make sense. And she's like, I know a lot of it is because of my ADHD. And she's like listing very specific things. And my husband looks at me and he's like, (laughs) yeah, you do. This is you. (laughs) He's like, I get it. Because to him, there were times where it seems like I wasn't being considerate. Um, He literally said, he's like, I'm the more considerate partner of the two of us. And I was like, no, you, you are. You totally are. But it, but he's but then he was like, but you're such like a nice, kind person. Like you do care. Mm-hmm. I know you care. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is the missing link. Kevin's had to have yeah. that conversation with me also. That's so funny. He's like, you're the same exact thing. He's like, you're such a kind, caring person. I know that you don't mean like you're not intentionally being an asshole. I know that you don't mean to do these things yeah. that drive me fucking crazy. Yeah. But they just drive me crazy. And the same thing. I'm just like, honey, I'm going to really, really try I want to put this on my because now that exactly now that I know I know what I have to do to remember things I've got to put things I've got to make a list I've got to put it on my calendar if it's not on my calendar it doesn't exist it's like okay so okay so I want to ask you guys the question you asked me because obviously you have your own life experience with this how did you guys not get diagnosed how did you guys get quote missed Mm. oh I mean I did well in school I never got in trouble in school my parents more so thought that I was just messy and lazy Mm -hmm. and um was a space cadet yep literally what I was called by my parents as a kid yeah a a space cadet or a um I like a knucklehead (laughs) so I was like yeah I'm a space cadet and a knucklehead yeah I'm a Pisces that kind of makes sense yeah and um or like scatterbrain that was another one yeah Mm -hmm. you you know who comes up with these words yes (laughs) Anne-Marie my best friend Anne-Marie but um yeah so I, I think to them it was just uh, because it didn't affect like my schoolwork mm-hmm. and I always had friends, like there were no huge things, not realizing like these little things like being scatterbrained and messy could really affect me in adulthood. Obviously they probably just thought I was being a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. That that's a lot of it, but, um, you know, or I would forget to do things, but it was just because my brain couldn't. I don't know if they told me a bunch of things I needed to do. By the third thing, I wasn't paying attention anymore, mm-hmm. most likely. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 What about for you? 
for me, um, how did I get missed? Well, my brother, my I've got other neurodivergent siblings. So my brother mm-hmm. and my dad both have um, dyslexia, terrible mm-hmm. dyslexia. And my s- older sister has like health problems of her own. Not well, I think she does have different mental health things she needs to deal with now, but more so she had physical health problems of her own. And so I think that between the two of them, exactly what Alex was saying, because I was a good student and like mm-hmm. they just saw that I like to do a bunch of different things. So they're like, oh, she just likes to keep herself busy. So, mm-hmm. um, but then do you know what? To be honest, I spoke with my parents recently and they were like, we, and I was like, why didn't you guys ever send me to therapy? Because another thing that I didn't realize not everybody dealt with was like, I've always had anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I heard somebody in some podcasts talk about having being a little kid and laying up all night and just like thinking all these thoughts. Like I would lay up all night and think about all the different ways my parents could be killed. And or yeah. no, not because yeah. you wanted to murder them. Not because them. I wanted to murder them. Yeah. I know. Right. But no, because yes. that's the thing, because it wasn't about them dying. Yes. It was like them getting killed somehow. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. getting in a car yeah. accident or or something like that. And I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. But I remember going to my parents and trying to explain like the feelings that I was having, which were anxiety. And I said to them recently, you know, you guys never took me to therapy. Why didn't you take me to therapy? And they said, we did take you to therapy. We tried a lot of times to take you to therapy. And Mm. I realized that because of my parents' insurance and because I grew up in a town of 600 people, I just didn't like the fucking therapist because there was two of them. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I'm dealing with things like, you know, being an only black child in a a town, you know, like dealing with serious things that they just could not help me with. And also, my parents weren't like, we're going to the therapist. They're like, oh, we're going to go see Jim today. Like, remember that guy, yeah, Jim? He probably, we introduced next door. he probably works out of his house next door. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. This was yeah. like two weeks ago. They're like, you don't remember going to see that guy? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they said, do you know why? Because you looked at me one day and you said, you know, that guy, fill in the blank. I could tell him anything. And he would just say, okay. So I knew. Wow. I was like, this guy's trash. I'm not going back to see him. Totally. <laughs> I did go to therapy as a kid, but not for anything having to do with that, but because of stuff with my mom. She just, um, she was a big old mess. Some mm-hmm. um, addiction problems, mental health problems. So my dad got custody of me when I was pretty young. I was like seven. So he put me in therapy because of that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how long I was in it obviously not long enough for them and and at seven i don't remember i feel like as i got closer probably around puberty is when any sort of like adhd stuff that i can remember at least came about yeah yeah not that it wasn't there then but i can't remember so once one thing that's common to you guys and this goes back to why people get missed is when you do have um bright people who are getting by to doing well you're not going to get the attention. I mean, the teachers have so much to deal with. They're going to deal with the people who are like actively struggling. And the way our system is, is because the system is overwhelmed, you have to like really be struggling to get that kind of attention. Unfortunately, right? Mm-hmm. There's not, you know, we've tried to have more of a prevention model, but in reality, in most places, you got to really be struggling to get some attention. Mm-hmm. So you guys, for different family reasons, um, different just performing well mm-hmm. because you are bright people you were getting by mm-hmm. um and then the other thing elizabeth like what your family dynamic shows is uh compared to maybe your brother like they wouldn't even consider that you could have had some neurodiverse issue compared yeah. to his dyslexia yeah, totally. and um i relate to that as a dyslexic with dyslexic kids and so there's such a there's such a um 
there's a continuum on all these things. And that's what's important for everyone. Like there's mild, moderate, and severe for every single neurodiverse thing we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, people have to be moderate to severe to really get some attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also want to say my older brother, my stepbrother was very, he was just a bad kid. And well, he was diagnosed with ADD. He, I think he was on Ritalin when he was in middle school, maybe high school. And then just some other shit he had going on. But definitely compared to him, they would have never thought in a million years that there was like anything wrong with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially. Mm-hmm. Right. But also, wait, right. Elizabeth, was your desk always messy? Did I even have a desk? My room was always No, very... no, at school. Oh, it's my desk at school. I'm sure. Mine was messy. That would have been I'm maybe sure. one sign, but my teacher would not pay it. Like, why would you well, pay my every, yeah. To your point, my older sister was way messier. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I was like messy, but she was a tornado. Yeah, you know, right. so it's, like, it's all relative yeah. in families. Yeah, it's all relative, and you only know what you know because, like you also said, it's like God. I didn't even know I was anxious, yeah. and that's something that I, um, I in like hindsight had to realize. Wow, I was anxious. I was a, such a worrier. Like I would be in bed. Like, my thing was, I worried about death for years. I worried about death. Mm-hmm. I worried about like I was more perfectionistic. So it's like I would go through my lists in my head of all the things I need to think about or worrying about. But like it wasn't until graduate school that I'm learning about anxiety, and I'm like, huh? How come no one told me <laughs> yeah. that that? And then to be fair um, to my parents, it's not like I was talking about it with them. Mm-hmm. Like how you know it's because it, anxiety is often a very quiet process unless you know you you see the nail biting for kids or the nightmares or the Mm. you know you don't want to go to sleep or don't leave me like there's there's some very outward manifestations but when you think of anxious thoughts Mm -hmm. um or depressive thoughts like a lot of that is very internalized and you just only know yourself Mm -hmm. yeah you know my parents would get on me about biting my nails but like how would they know that that was a sign of anxiety. It definitely mm-hmm. was because I catch myself at 33 years old yes. doing it yeah. when I'm anxious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Poor yeah. parents. God. Well, I mean, it's, I think that, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. fair enough because, all right, I'm going to give human society until maybe, you know, modern medicine a, a pass on mental health. Because there weren't mm. even, you know, there wasn't even electricity for a while. Yeah. Who cares how you feel? We have exactly. no power. Exactly. Yeah. You just have to survive. Yeah. So I'll give us a pass yeah. until then. Yeah. But I think that these are things that affect so many people. And again, because Alex and I are experiencing this firsthand and people that we love or people that, that are in our lives, we need to be talking about it more. We need to be, because on the flip side, I'm in a situation right now where I have somebody in my life who clearly was OCD, but it always, it was like the reverse. Everything was so clean, exceptionally Mm -hmm. clean. Do you know? Mm -hmm. My friend says Mm -hmm. it looks like dead people lived there. No signs of life. Do you know? It's like Mm. to that point. Sterile. Sterile, which to the outside world. Oh, what a great housekeeper. Oh, they, oh, oh, you know her. She always keeps, oh, she the house keeps everything so clean. so clean, so tidy. You know, they're just particular. <laughs> yeah. And now, later in life, you know, they're an older age. How old is she? 70? In her 70s. And I'm talking to my therapist about all of these, you know, all these things and trying to figure out what's going on. And before I even said, like, the last symptom, she said, did she have OCD when she was younger? I said, I think so. And she said, mm. OCD can lead to psychosis later in life. Oh. And... Yeah. It's that's here nor there. But if any, if we knew 
Do you know? Mm-hmm. If anybody mm-hmm. had like took the time to really examine these things, then like who knows? Or if we just spoke about it. If we just spoke about it as a people and said, like, oh, it's yeah. fine. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that they're crazy. It's just they're neurodivergent. <laughs> they're just different. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 And that this is common. So, yes. I mean, with we had mental health issues were on the rise before the pandemic. And, you know, the Surgeon General this as last week came out and talking about the, the youth, the child and teen mental health crisis, which mm. has just blown up since um, COVID. But we are talking about it more. I mean, and, and we, the, we're talking about it more. And then it's like, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Right. Like, are we going to educate kids about mental health in school? What is depression? What is anxiety? Um, there's more and more um, education going on about suicide and what to do if your friends are suicidal or if your friends are cutting. Like this mm-hmm. has all become so all too common. And um, mental health is physical health. Mm-hmm. And, and, we, we, you know, we're supposed to go to the doctor once a year, right? You're supposed to go and you get your, just your quick checkup, make get blood tests, you know, as a nice way to be like, Hey, is there anything major going on that we need to deal with blood pressure, whatever? Like, what about that mental health check-in once a year? Or I mean, obviously more just trying to think of a system. Like totally. we need to have this be such a regular part of life because, you know, just in the, in all the, all the research on trauma, Mm-hmm. people who have experienced trauma. And there's there's research to show that up to 70% of adults have had at least tr- one traumatic incident, at least one in their life. Mm-hmm. And the seminal research that came out of Kaiser uh, found that the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences, found that anyone that had three or more later on had increased a huge increase in um, diabetes, heart disease, mm. stroke, cancer. So it's so connected, right? If, you, if you've experienced trauma, it's going to affect your mental health and it's going to affect your physical health if it's not dealt with and you're not getting the, uh, the treatment and the intervention that you need. Mm-hmm. What's the definition of trauma? Somebody said it recently and it's very different than what I thought that it would be. Well, so there's, um, okay, I'll tell you what, what I know it to be, because um, there's a few different definitions. And I think a lot of times people get um, confused the definition of trauma versus post-traumatic stress disorder, because mm-hmm. a lot of times people talk about PTSD. So the idea with trauma is often it's an experience that exceeds one's ability to cope with the experience and its consequences. Oh, okay. What did you hear? I don't remember, but I <laughs> but it was some, it was something similar yeah. because I think that yeah. to me I thought trauma was you know you had to be kidnapped or almost like have this oh, near yeah. death experience or have right. been like you know like these extreme things to have happened in your life right. to be considered. I guess, it's, I guess it's like so individual, right? Yes. Like trauma to one person. It, it is, yeah. It is. But you, but I think what you're hitting, and this is important, is. Bef- people are talking about trauma as we should be more and more and more. But the idea the the, the trauma field is 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 pretty new as a as a field out in the public, um, which came you know out of combat veterans, uh, World War One shell shock or World mm-hmm. War Two, um, and then eventually PTSD, which I think was first coined in the seventies, which is really not that long ago. So what you're thinking of is what most people talk about is to um, a primary 
uh, to qualify for post-traumatic stress disorder, you have to have many different clusters of symptoms. But the, the first primary thing is that you either have witnessed or experienced a life-threatening situation or terrifying situation. Mm-hmm. So most of us think about, well, gosh, I'm not, I don't have PTSD, so I'm not traumatized. Mm-hmm. But you get beat up in school. You're being um, in- intimidated. You get in a car accident, right? You're, you're assaulted. Mm-hmm. You're like, there are so many, you are humiliated in front of large groups. There's s- several ways. Someone walks out on you in your life, mm-hmm. uh, a breakup that you feel like you, you are broken. Mm-hmm. Like those are all, those are all situations potentially, right? Depends on the person where your, that situation has exceeds your co- ability to cope with it in a way that it causes like emotional effects, mm-hmm. uh, physical effects, fight and flight response, dissociation and detachment. Mm. So there's, we, we, we have, we can't go through life and not have these. Yeah. 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 Could I read, um, a listener letter that we got once like a couple months ago yeah and i mean up to you if you want to answer it but i thought yeah. that it was interesting this is from maddie and maddie says hi beauty queens i loved your last episode with erica leon i found it really impactful especially as a daughter of a mother who deals with disordered eating it's impacted me my whole life something i was thinking about during the podcast is all the trauma that's stored in the body Mm. where it's stored, how we cope with it, and how it manifests into an eating disorder and or mental health issues. I've endured sexual trauma and I'm in therapy for it. However, I still struggle with self-love and feeling good in a body that doesn't always feel like mine. I'm curious about learning more and think a lot of female listeners could relate. Thank you for everything that you do. Mm. I thought that was just yeah, really interesting. That's, that's interesting and brave. Um, yeah. and, and, and look at the, you were talking about awareness, right? Look at the awareness yeah. and the inside of this person's growth and being in therapy. So one main thing that jumps out at me there is, you know, I forget the terminology, but it's like doesn't feel in her body. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and so that's the uh, dissociation detachment. When people are abused, when people are traumatized, and particularly when people are abused and particularly sexually abused, there is a detachment that is a natural coping instinct that, you know, when you're in a situation, there's the fight and flight response often, which is, okay, I need to fight and get out of it, or I need to um, run away, get out of here. Mm-hmm. But there are these other responses when you're trapped and you can't fight and you can't flight. And so, and this happens a lot with sexual abuse, so you detach, you dissociate our bodies emit, you know, in our natural opioids um, to sort of try to, we numb our, it's a numbing process to survive. Mm. And particularly if you've endured multiple abuse situations, that becomes a repetitive preservation response. Mm. And then that, that difficulty and that the, the part of the healing of the trauma is to try to get back the connection to your body, like the actual connection to yourself, because trauma fragments us. Mm. Um, Again, another coping response when we're dealing with a trauma is, so we have these things called explicit memories and implicit memories. So explicit memories are like facts, like, okay, this is happening, and now this is happening, and that person did this, and that person said this, and this is what it looked like, mm-hmm. right? Sort of like our timeline. And then implicit memory is the emotions that we attribute to that situation, that memory. Mm-hmm. When we're in a traumatic situation, 
Oh, and in a normal situation, you have your explicit memory, your implicit memory, and those things come together to make some sort of memory that you remember or something you don't remember because it's not that important. Mm -hmm. When we are traumatized, um, those become fragments and they don't create coherent memories of a situation, which is why a lot of people can't remember a situation, but they get triggered by feelings and they don't know why they're being triggered because they might have a memory of a smell right? Mm. Or a memory of a sound that triggers them when they're in a safe environment. But it's, it's that, it's that implicit sensory memory that they've had. So all of this work towards trauma healing is how do we integrate? How do we reintegrate with our bodies? Now, the other part of this question, which is a, a, a great question is, so the thought is that our traumas are kept in our tissue, or what's called our fascia, mm. like the tissue around, and I was going to ask mm -hmm. you guys about this with yeah. your work that you do, yeah. like the yeah. tissue around our organs, the tissue around our muscles, the tissues around our blood cells, our blood vessels, and they get trapped. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of debate within the field of, of recovery and trauma intervention is like, how do you, is it through talking? Is it, so a lot of people say it's actually, well, if it's stored in the body, we need to find ways to release it from the body, mm. which is why there's a lot of times people are getting a massage, <clears throat> excuse mm -hmm. me, which is recommended. A lot of body work is recommended. Mm -hmm. um, acupuncture. I don't know if any of the work you guys are doing, and sometimes someone will just get pushed or pricked and they just start crying. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't, I don't know why I'm crying. And afterwards they say like, oh my God, I just like feel different. Now, I don't want to oversimplify the process. There's a lot of body work um, that really works on releasing trauma. Mm -hmm. And then there is the talking part, which is trying to help put together memories, create a narrative, challenge your old narrative of yourself, mm -hmm. um, which often with the narrative when one has been traumatized is one of shame, of one of, you know, of, of fault or blame. Mm -hmm. Even when, they, you know, you had nothing, it's like there was nothing you could have done. Um, and I'll just say one more part of processing the trauma, which a lot of people know about is called EMDR, mm -hmm. um, eye movement, uh, desensitization, reprocessing that has to do with, um, being with a practitioner who's moving, often moving a finger back and forth while you're thinking about some of your memories that your traumatic memories and through the process of thinking about them with not even talking about them out loud people are able to have different perspectives and process and get those, those things unstuck. Mm. And so it's a really layered question. Like, where is it in our body? Like the other mm. thing I'll just say, um, is, um, trauma being transmitted intergenerational transmission. Mm. Like there's all this work on epigenetics and that trauma in our past affects our and our parents our grandparents can be passed down in our dna by which which like buttons or light switches are turned on and off in the expression of our dna mm. with holocaust survivors um obviously slavery like mm. name it name the atro atrocity like it all of that comes down to us and seems at times to get stuck mm -hmm. and uh yeah, it's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, being an esthetician for a long time, my back is like all kinds of fucked up. So I'll get massages from time to time and I always get cupping done at the end of the massage. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I've definitely felt that before where I felt like an emotional release mm. from mm -hmm. the cupping, which wow. makes mm -hmm. sense because with the cup, I mean, technically what cupping's doing is it's bringing toxins 
It's supposed to be pulling toxins out of you, but I think specifically it works on the fascia. It would make sense mm-hmm. that it does. So, yeah, I totally yeah. – and I could see acupuncture definitely. I've gotten acupuncture many times for an injury, but I also asked her to help me with anxiety. And I would feel sometimes like an emotional release. That mm-hmm. client – um, I forgot her – you know, I never know anybody's names. We have a client <laughs> who uh, was telling me about myofascial uh, release because yeah, she, she had right. been in a, um, a car accident. And oh, yeah, because I went, I went to went, her, yeah. her gal. And when she was telling me, she was like, you know, sometimes I, like, cry when she's doing it. And I didn't – I just, you know, I don't cry. I'm like, girl, why are you crying? It's just like, okay. <laughs> because I cry for everything. But I didn't put two and two together. I didn't realize that that mm-hmm. was what it was really more so was – is that that part of the intent is to uh, release that trauma? That's very very interesting. Yeah, because if it's stored, um, oh, and this is where I want I want to tell you guys. You guys had this great show. I was I was um, Laura had uh, my producer had said, hey, you got to check out these few shows, and she sent me some links, and they weren't working. So I'm like, okay, I got to go to the show my the usual way. I go to the show, and I just scrolled through, and lo and behold, I picked the one with Rain, your great good friend Rain. <laughs> Rain. <laughs> She's a hoot, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, at the end, you ended up talking about this a little bit, and she's so spiritual and energetic, and that's what I want. That's why I just thought of her and your yeah. show and bringing this in is, you know, trauma is thought to also be, like, energy that gets trapped in the body, and it's mm. how do we release the energy if one comes from it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wow. think that's a good, like, simplified way to for maybe people to understand trauma, mm-hmm. right? Like, because I think a lot of people with trauma, it is literally like this negative energy that just like lives inside of you, mm-hmm. you know, especially mm-hmm. for people who deal with really severe mental problems because of their trauma, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel and like I love rain and I especially all of the woo woo. I, I love that stuff. I believe in it, but I believe in it because things like acupuncture have helped me things like meditation and yoga have helped me not to say that that's going to solve everyone's fucking problems mm-hmm. but i like looking at it from that angle because i feel like it's um it feels more attainable yes in a and way. it gets and it gets past this notion of it's all in your head mm-hmm. right the old school like yeah. and that's like that's not a well a lot of people still think that but that's a normal that's a normal thing for a long time that people will say like it's all in your head just get over it and, yeah. and it's like well Actually, it's it's not. It's like in your whole body at times or in a yeah. specific location related to the traumatic event or events. For sure. Well, like you said, how like your mental health is part of your physical health. I mean, think about like if you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, how you feel. I mean, it must not be good for your heart. It must not be good, you know, just like stress makes my husband always says he's like stress makes you sick stop worrying you know yeah obviously mm-hmm. it's not so easy stop. to stop worrying <laughs> but, okay yeah. Like, yeah 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 gee you're right yeah. but that's something yeah. that his like mom always said to him like and she and yeah. his mom very much so has this attitude of like you know if you have a problem try to solve it mm-hmm. and um yeah. if you can't solve it quit worrying about it because it's out of your hands now also i right. wish we could all think that awesome. way about that all sounds like problems. disassociation to me yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> but um just the idea of like you know not literally there are people's brains who cannot work that way they yeah. just can't well yes right. and and also to both of your points about stress and about anxiety is you know where um 
after this, we were recording another episode about aging and about dry skin. And so I've been watching these lectures. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they were saying was how um, when you're stressed out your and your body releases more cortisol, a cortisol... It just does, it does so many things to your body. Right. It does so, so right. many things to your body in ways that I, well, we're going to talk about in the next episode. I'll tell the listeners then. Yeah. But also, exactly what you're saying, uh, you know, people always say, like, oh, stress is bad for the heart. And it's like the hormones, that's the point that I'm trying to make, is that cortisol is a hormone. Cortisol, right? Cortisol. I always say cortisone. Cortisone. Like cortisone cream? No. So cortisol yeah. is... Oh, which, cortisone. Like, I think like cortisone, like heart in My heart. Spanish. No, no, no. Just like the thing you get <laughs> off the shelf. So cortisol, yes, um, yes. is a hormone. And yep. so I want to talk to you about also how hormones affect our mental health. And that's a perfect example of one. But also in, uh, in as women, our hormones are changing often. And yeah. another area that I'm just finding out about literally last week because Alex brought it to my attention. And since she brought it to my attention, I've been hearing, you know, when somebody brings something up, you see it everywhere. And so I've been seeing lots of podcasts about this, but it's about perimenopause and how the idea of menopause, not the idea, but menopause is really just one moment, the moment that your period stops. All the moments, the 10 or 20 years leading up to that as women is perimenopause. And our hormones are changing so much leading up to that moment and then after that moment. And right. so many mental health changes can be attributed to that also. But to yeah. your point, in the past it was just like, oh, ladies are just crazy. Women get to a certain age and then they just get crazy and then and whatever. And... Part of that might have some semblance of truth, but there's a reason to it. There's a reason because we our hormones are changing so much and changing hormones really, really affects mental health. So I'd love to talk for you to just go. go well, yeah, that. I think you just. Yeah, <laughs> you. OK, you just like you just said it. And mm -hmm. that's true. And what I was thinking was, like, God, wouldn't it be great if you if you got the memo? Like the lady, you know, like you're like, hey, uh, FYI, on Monday, you are going to start experiencing changes that will continue for the next 10 years until you did the, like, no, it's just sort of like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. Or God, why, why is she so emotional? Or why is she so irritable or short? Now, I'm, I'm saying she because we're talking about, of course, um, something that generally happens to women. Um there are so many variables. There's so many variables. Um, and I think what we often do is we attribute something either to the person's mental health, like they're like, oh, that's just them being X, Y, and Z, or oh, must have been um, bad day today, lots of traffic, bad day at the office. And again, what we're missing is the neurochemical, physiological changes in the human body that create emotional and behavioral change. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to say this right. So, uh, Stephen, Dr. Stephen Porges is this brilliant um, clinician researcher who developed polyvagal theory, and he basically says so. Here's what it is: is that our underlying physiological state affects our behavior, and the environment affects our physiology. So it's like everything goes together, and. And people get more anxious. People get more irritable when their hormones are changing. People get more angry. People have trouble concentrating. Mm -hmm. People have low energy. So, yeah, it's like I think what we – like this is really about us all taking a step back. And when we see changes in people we love or our partners um, or in ourselves is can we 
also think about physiological, biological, neurochemical reasons as opposed to just attribute attributed to someone's personality mm. or their or their um, their discipline, you know, or their mm. just you know like who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I wish I I wish we could just get a memo. <laughs> yeah. Well, here it is. We're dropping it for the world. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God. Yeah. It's yeah. wild. Another example of not taking things personally. I've been trying to uh, increase this in my life. <laughs> my life more as I <laughs> aim. Just don't take it personally. It's not about you. It's about them. It's going on in your brain, girl. Or guy. Yeah. People. Yeah. 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 Don't know yeah. me. Yeah. That, well, that's really important because that speaks to, um, again, taking this, um, having the self-awareness and um, having a sense of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like, what's, what's the, what, what do I need to take on? What can I just let go? And I can say, like, that to me is a lifelong um, – that's a lifelong process, particularly as someone who's in the helping profession. And, you know, generally the vocations we go into, we're sort of wired for in some way or another. Like, we have these, like – personality attributes and so yeah to be like okay that's not me or I don't need to fix this or I can let this go yeah and um not to take everything on yeah yeah for sure Mm -hmm. thank you so much this was oh my god you're uh, the best you also um explain things very like a normal like for normal people to understand yes layman's (laughs) terms yeah yeah and I think that's really important totally I love it oh I learned so much I learned a lot about myself (laughs) I love this. That's great. Yeah, my my doctor over here diagnosing <laughs> Dr. me. Doctor Taylor. <laughs> Doctor T. I can't give you the pills, but the information's for free. <laughs> Hilarious! Oh well, my god! Well, thank you so much. Can you tell our listeners, unless there's anything else that you'd like to share with us, would you? Um, just thank you for uh, this conversation and for uh, raising awareness. It's so yeah. important, this mental health awareness and for everyone just to, uh, to embrace their humanhood and know mm-hmm. that it, it comes with a, it's just, it's, it's a journey and there's some, there's some joy in it as we talked about. And yeah. there's also, um, it's hard too. And it's just about learning and growing yes, as we go along totally. the way. Learning and growing, a hundred percent. Yes, I love love that, and I think that honestly, as I'm a lifelong learner, but I think that that's the best part about life is knowing that you can make mistakes because you can grow from them Mm -hmm. and you can get better. And also, the biggest realization that I'm having in my 30s is you don't have to do the shit by yourself. Mm -mm. You don't have to do it alone. Mm -mm. And mm-hmm. I thank you so much for sharing that with us and our listeners today. You're the best. Will you tell everybody where they can find you? Okay. Yes. Definitely on the podcast. Yes. Um, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. And there, um, our handles are at uh, both for Facebook and for Instagram at Parent Footprint Podcast. Twitter is at Dr. Dan Peters. And website is drdanpeters.com. And of course, exactly right media. You can find. All of us. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's it. That's where you can find uh, what I'm up to. Also, awesome. didn't you just write a book? Wasn't Didn't you just have a book released Oh, I did. I did. I just um, co-authored a book with a colleague and friend of mine. Um, it's called Bright Complex Kids Supporting Their Social and Emotional Development. Congratulations. That's awesome. Congrats. That just dropped Thank in you. October, so everybody go grab yourself a copy. 
Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we're going to be on your show soon, I think. Yay! I was going to say, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk next week. The yeah. tables will be turned. I can't wait. I'm very oh, excited. Yes. yes. <laughs> hey, guys. What did you think of our conversation with Dr. Dan? Did you love it? Did you learn anything from it? Bitch, you know they learned from it. (laughs) They're not all PhD candidates Also, you learned more about us. Yes, that's true. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, they're all our best friends. It's okay. (laughs) We're a year in at this point. I'm just joking. They can know a little bit more about us. I feel like you already know too much. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, um, one, I forgot to say, follow us on the gram. (gasps) Don't forget. If you don't follow us already, follow us at True Beauty, Beauty Broken, Broken Podcast. Podcast. You could also email us at True Beauty Broken Podcast at gmail.com. And y'all, Franklin Street is almost open. Franklin Street is almost open. Oh, yeah, that's our new Franklin location. Street. That's our brand new location. This is our baby. This is our biracial, multicultural, gorgeous, beautiful baby. Me and Shapiro, we're so proud. And um, come visit us. If you guys are ever in New York, if you live locally, you can see us either at Graham Avenue. And Graham Avenue is going to be our incredible estheticians, Nicole, Erica, and Janet. If you come to see us at Franklin Street, it's going to be me and Alex. We have incredible treatments that we're coming out with. We're going to hit you all up with microcurrent. We're going to have a microcurrent episode soon. So you Lifting and toning with, yes. the muscles of the face. It's yes. really cool. Yes. All natural. This is like within the all natural beauty spectrum, but it's using fucking electrodes. It, it's, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it eventually. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing brow lamination. That's that hotness. Lammy. Lammies. We are going to be doing, of course, regular facials. We're going to be offering just a quick 30-minute peel. We don't have a name for that Very yet. excited for that. that? That's I'm like, not sure. That's like the the no peel peel. That's a peel if you've got something special coming up. You've got a wedding. If you've got, you know. And you don't want to actually peel, but you want to look glowy. Exactly. If you've seen these bitches for the first time since quarantine, first of all, girl, you ain't never left in two years. But second of all, we got you. You come in. (laughs) We're going to hook it up. I'm excited about this because, as you guys know, we speak about this often. A lot of skincare um, treatments it's not overnight, you know. It takes a couple of days, a couple of treatments to really see results. But this is a treatment that you're going to see immediate results. So we're super excited to be offering that at Franklin. And, I mean, that's it. You guys are beauty baddies. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so, 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 so much. We're going to be having a great season. We're going to have so many people on for the free your mind. And the rest will follow. Sounded great. Thank you. I'm going to be working on my tone throughout (laughs) throughout the next couple of months. But that's going to be our theme for the next few weeks. So if you guys have any questions regarding mental health, regarding hormonal changes, regarding perimenopause, regarding menopause, regarding anything, let us know. We're going to be bringing you guys, as always, the most incredible guests that are at the top of their fields, that are as passionate about these topics as we are, so that you guys can get the best information as possible. The best information as possible? Yeah. They know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Email us. We love you guys. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your mama, tell your cousin, tell your friend. Happy 2022. That's it.
This has been a COCBK production. Produced by us, Elizabeth Taylor and Alex Shapiro. Our engineer is Bart Tripoli. Our theme music composer is Zebra Sonic. Our artwork is by Garrett Ross. If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.